Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Our world is a very different place since we last played baseball. A worldwide pandemic changed the way we live. Essential workers took on a new meaning. Racial and social justice became a global cause. We know this is much bigger than baseball. Our game, our team, will bring us together nine innings at a time. We're ready. Let's play ball. Back to Astropod, the official podcast of the Houston Astros. Robert Ford here with Steve Sparks. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. Uh, getting anxious to, to get things going. You know, we got the schedule out. July 24th appears to be the day uh, that we'll be holding hands in the booth again, socially distancing, uh, holding hands because we're not allowed to touch this year, Robert. That's right. I'll give you an elbow bump uh, as uh, you know. We're gonna we're gonna take it back to the 1980s. Oakland A's Bash Brothers is gonna be the greeting. Go. Um, but yeah, uh, schedule release Monday for Major League Baseball, July 24th. Steve mentioned when the Astros opened the season, started off with a th- uh, four game series against the Seattle Mariners, and it's a six game homestand. The Dodgers come in for the last two games of that homestand, and that's one of the the parts of intrigue with the schedule being changed with the 60 games and 66 days and only playing your division and the opposite division in the National League is, uh, you know, we weren't expected to see the Dodgers this year and uh, sure. also going to L.A. in September. So that that certainly will be interesting. Yeah, and they're a great team. They've, they're loaded with pitching. And I think you're, you're starting to see Walker Bueller uh, edge toward the probably the front end of that rotation now as being one of the best pitchers in baseball, Clayton Kershaw is still Clayton Kershaw, but whoever you match up with uh, uh, that first week of the season in those two games against the Dodgers, there's going to be a ton of intrigue, a lot of a lot of narrative going back to 2017. Some favorable, some probably not so favorable, uh, but it's going to be fun. There's a lot of storylines to go around uh, this entire season. There certainly are, and the Astros have their first road trip starting on July 31st when they go to Anaheim, Arizona. And Oakland. So just to give you an idea of the interleague breakdown, they go, they have home at homes with the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks, uh, with the, with this schedule. They go to San Diego. The Padres do not come to Houston and the Giants come to Houston, but the Astros will not go, uh, to San Francisco. Home at home with the Rockies. And that's actually back to back, uh, in August, August 17th through the 20th, two games in Houston, followed by two in Colorado. But yeah, end the season on the road in Seattle and Arlington. Uh, So looking forward to seeing how this plays out. And obviously we're hopeful that 
the the entire schedule is played, especially considering how condensed it is with uh, the pandemic, and uh, hopefully uh, work out the kinks and and able to get through every single game. But um, it's exciting just to see a, a baseball schedule, isn't it? It is. You know, you look at, down to that last week, and that's what I did uh, just to begin with because I, I certainly feel that no team's really going to run away with things. You know, when you're playing such a condensed schedule that it's harder to pull away from the pack. And I think I think the teams are, are talented uh, up and down the, the American League West. Maybe Seattle lags just a little bit, but certainly have the potential to spoil. Uh, but uh, there, there's plenty of teams that are going to be able to uh, – jump out front. We saw the Mariners do it last year before uh, they kind of slid right. back. But if a team does that this year, what the Mariners did a, a season ago, or even what the Marlins did a season ago, man, they're in the thick of things. They're, they're in the conversation to maybe add at the trading deadline. Right. And the trade deadline is August 31st. It's going to be a little more than a month into the, the regular season. Uh, so yeah, it does add a level of intrigue, and you, you mentioned that. And I also think it's going to be interesting. We're probably going to see the opposite happen to someone, a team that you mentioned the Mariners last year weren't expected to be contenders, got off to that great start. I think we'll see a team that you know maybe was expected to be a contending team and, and gets off to a terrible start, and then you know with the trade deadline uh, just over a month in the season, then what do you do in that situation? I think that's going to be compelling as well. Hopefully, it doesn't happen to the Astros, but I think it's going to happen to somebody. Right, I do too, especially with players. We're starting to see trickle uh, uh, the effect of, of players opting out, you know, and who knows what's going to trigger more players to do the same. I'm sure we're not done uh, with, with players deciding to, to err on the side of safety when it comes to concerns with their family or, or somebody's health that's uh, nearby. So uh, we don't know what, who's going to be on the roster. I mean, you know, the Astros, you said, in the first road trip go to Anaheim. Is Mike Trout going to be there? Uh, we certainly know Shohei Otani is going to be healthy this year as far as being able to pitch and hit, and he's going to be able to make an impact with that team. But uh, it looks like they're a little weak in the rotation, and if they get a hit with, with somebody opting out of somebody of Trout's caliber, uh, that'll really hurt them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, it's so many – there are always so many levels of intrigue when you start talking about the schedule, but even more so this year, obviously, with, with everything going on. And we certainly hope you and, and all of your loved ones are, are staying safe where, wherever you are. Uh, pleased to be joined this week uh, by uh, Pete Putella, who is a name that you know, maybe a lot, of, a lot of fans aren't as familiar with with the Astros, but such an important part of what the Astros have done over the last several years. Uh, Astros assistant general manager, of player development. And uh, I, I think uh, you'd, you'd agree with me on this, Steve, just such a great guy to talk to because he's just so knowledgeable uh, and, and just has so much information, especially about guys that we don't get to see a whole lot. The guys who are, who are trying to work their way through the minor league system with the Astros. Yeah. When you start to think about uh, the Astros roster, I mean, a big part of that is because of the work that guys, especially Pete Putilla is at the top of the top of the list. Uh, the way they've developed players in the minor leagues to go out there and and be able to go get a, a Zach Greinke or a Justin Verlander and, and put together this unbelievable team and, and what this team's done for the last five seasons uh, is lar largely due to the, the work of Pete and, and his staff and, and what they've been able to do. So, you know, that's his job is to continue to, to develop players, whether or not they contribute at the major league level with the Houston Astros is, is another story, but it, it's certainly – 
with so many good players in your system gives you a leg up because it, it allows you to do a lot of other things that you may need uh, at the major league level to get you over the hump. And uh, so he's been very valuable. You know, James Click uh, talks very glowingly of Pete. You know, he, James Click comes in and inherits pretty much a, a staff. He, he got recruited so late in the process to interview as the general manager for the Astros, but he's relied heavily, uh, really heavily on Pete Putilla. Well, Pete, thanks so much for, for joining us. And, you know, normally this time of year, you'd be uh, keeping up with the, the minor league affiliates and, and, and traveling around to some of the Astros uh, affiliates, but obviously a, a much different year this year and, you know, minor league baseball season, unfortunately being canceled because of the, the pandemic. So what, do your days look like now um, with with obviously things being a lot different and summer camp going on and, and no minor league season? Yeah, uh, before the spring training uh, 2.0 summer camp was announced, um, we were working with our coaching staff, training staff, um, strength and conditioning coaches to um, work with our players remotely, uh, you know, gauge what resources they have available to them and you know, continue working on things that, that we could uh, during that time, you know, as well as working on things, um, you know, in the office in terms of our processes and whatnot, while, you know, still getting ready for the draft. Um, but with the, um, the start of you know, summer camp, um, there's a lot of operational things, um, that we need to stay on top of. So, you know, the work has, um, been a bit more kind of frenzied as of late, just because of the, uh, the, the deadlines and whatnot, but that's, that's good because it means we're, you know, getting back to baseball. So um, the work's shifted a little bit, but that's kind of uh, where we've been the past uh, two or three months. You know, you mentioned uh, dealing with kind of individualized programs for, for all the players. I mean, when spring training got shut down, it was right before, you know, minor league camp was really going to, to ramp up. So you, you really haven't had your hands on a lot of these guys uh, for, for several months now. Uh, what has that process been like in terms of just uh, coming up with all these different plans based on, like you said, what guys have available to them wherever they happen to be? Yeah, you know, fortunately we had you know some time with them during the season last year, and um, we like to give guys a chance to get their feet wet and whatnot in their first year. But we're probably a little bit more aggressive in terms of trying to start um, implementing things just so that the first off season is more meaningful and. Um, you know, I think we're fortunate in that regard, just considering how long this, you know, quote unquote off season has been and might be uh, for guys. But um, yeah, we, we continue to, you know, message to the guys that, you know, this is an unfortunate situation. And you know, we all, we all agree to that. And, and, you know, some guys are much better off than others. And, but we're, we're trying to stress to the guys not to focus on that, but to focus on the things they can control and, you know, given the, the resources that are available to them and make the most of the opportunity. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been difficult, but um, there are some silver linings in terms of, you know, some things that guys can work on in a period like this, you know, such as strength and conditioning or may, maybe certain mechanical overhauls, um, things like that, that would otherwise be difficult to to do during a season where you have to compete every night. Pete, how, how do you handle it with the guys that you drafted this year and, the, and even the, the non-drafted free agents? Since you haven't been able to, to touch and feel and, and show them directly, how are you not wasting time with, with those new draftees? Yeah, it, it just requires a lot more um, 
creativity with regard to how we present information. Um, obviously, being in person, being able to show show somebody something in the cage or you know in the outfield uh, during throwing program is a lot easier than doing it over a some sort of video chat. But that's kind of where we're we're forced to be. So we've had um, introduction calls with our our coordinators uh, to go through the information. And uh, those calls will continue, um, some in group fashion, some one-on-one, um, just to get a, a feeling for where the players are now so that we can get them started down the right path um, in, in their development, including um, talking to the players about who, who they're working with now with regard to you know anything technically pitching coach or maybe strength and conditioning-wise, just to get those folks on board with, with our programs. Well, the Astros' new general manager, James Click, uh, I mean, he's quick to, to point you out in, in every time that we've gotten a chance to talk to him about how helpful and how impressed he is with you. And even some of the innovation, he said that ways that you guys are trying to uh, help players take things to the new level and, and how creative uh, you know the players have even gotten. Can you share any of those you know, with, with somebody's grip pressure or, or how they're strengthening something to increase you know, spin rate, things like that? Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's kind of a two parts to that. I think the the first one is the uh, they say necessity is the mother of all invention, and um, it, it's been inspiring to see the guys you know take stock of their situation and figure out how to how to take advantage of that. I mean, we, we have a we had a group of players, uh, Venezuelan players, who were stuck at the hotel um, in West Palm Beach. Um, we had a trainer there with them. Um, to, to be there for their workouts and just monitor their health. Um, but they took to the parking garage and, and they found a place to, to take swings and we got a portable mound sent over there and they, they got chalk and they grew drew up a home plate and batters boxes. Um, so, you know, seeing videos come in of guys throwing bullpens in their neighbor's driveway or, you know, playing pickup game on the beach in the DR. Um, oh it's God. been neat to see that. Um, you know, all of those, those videos come in guys catching our, some of our flamethrowers, you know, guys throwing to their brothers and, and their brothers doesn't have, you know, any catcher's equipment on or anything, you know, just doing <laughs> their best. <laughs> yeah. The other side is the, you know, the technology piece. It's, it's amazing what we can do remotely given all of the, uh, the, the tracking technology and the wearable sensors and whatnot. Because um, otherwise, you know, you're, you're, relying mostly on video, which is still our sort of central tool either way, but some of the sensors and, and pitch tracking uh, technologies really let us continue the, the same sort of development that we would otherwise if we were in person. You know, the only difference being that lack of in-person touch and then also just the the uh, competition, which, you know, these guys need in order to continue developing, but also just to, to get a sense for what they need to develop and why they need to develop it. You know, that that's why we push our players um, aggressively through the system just to see tougher and tougher competition so that they can make adjustments. Yeah, you bring up a good point. And I think it's something that's been echoed by uh, a lot of people uh, during this pandemic, regardless of what walk of life they're in, is how much easier this has been to weather considering all the technology we have at our disposal. I mean, when you think about Zoom conference calls and, uh, you know, cell phones and all of those things that, you know, weren't as available or weren't even as advanced maybe five or 10 years ago. Do you ever think about how much easier it is now uh, handling something like this as difficult as it is 
because you you know they're guys who maybe like you, know, you mentioned some of the technology with the video and maybe some guys have access to a Repsoto machine which can uh, measure a lot of things with 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 pitching and things like that do you ever think about how much easier all of that has made this and how much harder it would have been to have a shutdown like this even just say five years ago yeah I mean even even some of the tools we use just to centralize communication um, makes things a lot easier um, you, you don't have to wonder what's happening you know what what conversations are being had, what, what information is being exchanged on top of the, the fine um, millisecond based measurements you can get on, on certain things. Um, and also just um, this, everyone's in the same situation. So, you know, I, I think everyone's a lot more amenable to uh, scheduling a call, getting on a video chat, because really there's no other option. And I think when we get into the the swing of things, everyone's kind of hectic and it's really hard to line up people's schedules. Whereas, you know, now if somebody invites you to something and you tell them that you, you're not free, then they're, they're probably wondering, you know, do you just not want to link up because your schedule is yeah. probably open given that nobody can leave their house. <laughs> so um, in that regard, you know, we've, we've been able to connect with guys, I think a lot easier than we would, you know, if, if a player's at an affiliate and, you know, coach is handling 12 to 15 players, on top of everything else they have to do on a daily basis. So we're definitely going to keep um, a lot of uh, the things that we've started doing now um, as we continue, hopefully in a, in a more normal situation. Um, we'll just have to work a little bit harder to get the, the time freed up and whatnot. But I definitely think a lot of the communication um, we'll, we'll continue to use moving forward. You know, and obviously, and rightfully so, a lot of the talk about uh, – the shutdown as far as the minor league side goes has been about the players and, and handling that and, and the difficulties there. But, you know, there, there are a lot of coaches as well, whether you talk about the coordinators, you talk about the minor league managers, minor league hitting coaches, minor league pitching coaches, strength coaches, um, trainers. Uh, how have you utilized uh, those guys uh, during this time? Have they kind of been responsible for for example, maybe the responsible for the players that they would have had their hands on during the season if it had happened. How how are you handling that that piece of it? Yeah, our, our coordinators um, work with the coaching staff to to break guys up into groups and and make assignments based on you know who had history with certain players and you know really broke it up that way. And um, you mentioned athletic trainers; those guys uh, those guys' roles have taken taken on a new meaning. Um, Jeremiah Randall is uh, doing you know ten jobs at once right now, and uh, the health protocols are are really good. I think from MLB, they're necessary, and um, he and his team are, are working really hard to to meet all of those. So, um, yeah, there's there's been some some new jobs created out of this too. Um, but yeah, we're, we've broken up the players into groups, and we're communicating with them that way. Pete, when I saw the initial rosters of who was going to work out with the Astros, including the taxi squad. I couldn't help but think of some that were left off and how hard it was probably to whittle it down for you guys of who's going to work out at U of H and be available. But, you know, I omitted, you know, and there's way more than what I'm going to say, but Chucky Robinson, Jeremy Pena, Brian De La Cruz, Tyler Ivey, Freudis Nova, Jairo Solis. There's just, it goes on and on. How hard was it to leave some of these players off that, you probably wanted to, to have here all the time. Definitely. That, that was one of the first things we discussed, you know, when thinking about the list was, is there a way to get, to get as many guys here as possible for you know, purely development purposes? 
And I think, um, you know, the camp is going to be important for that, you know, not only keeping the guys ready, but continuing to hone certain skills. But yeah, it was, it was difficult because we can see the, the work that guys are putting in and, you know, it, it feels like a gut punch to the guys who were left off, but um, you know, they were outside of the 40 men, you know, you have 20 spots and we decided to leave a, a handful of spots open just due to the uncertainty of where the need will come. So you're, you're really talking about 16 guys, out of the entire organization um and obviously you need a mix of players pitchers hitters catchers etc so um really stiff competition and um you know the the thing i've been telling you know the guys who've reached out about you know questions about roster placement is i I understand that, that guys are upset and quite frankly i'd be concerned if they weren't you know it's just a competitive nature that the guys have but definitely a lot of a lot of difficult decisions especially considering that the alternative is that you know they might be at home with you know less than ideal, um, less than ideal and uh, set up in terms of training. Yeah, you know what? I know you've been privy to com- enough conversations, and and it's been bannered about among other people is after this particular season, if there's there's a handful of players for the Astros that are going to be free agents with Michael Brantley, George Springer, Josh Reddick, Yuli Gurriel. How many of those conversations take place when when you're there? Uh, do you think, all right, we got this covered because of a Chaz McCormick or, or so-and-so that, you know, we think can step in at, at some point, but where do you lack? Where are you most concerned? Is it outfield? Um, it's, I think it sort of becomes tough to say because you don't want to suggest one thing or, or another, but I mean, I, I think when you consider sort of the all-star caliber outfielders that we have, I think, you know, you definitely, um, I don't know how many teams are going to have all-star caliber guys that just slot right in there. So um, I think with our team, it becomes especially tough to, to try to completely replace guys um, who who may uh, move off the roster, but we feel good. um, We feel good about the depth that we have. Um, I think it's going to be interesting this year across the league to see um, what depth issues may arise um, just because of the the shortened buildup. you know, which could lead to potentially more injuries. It could, you know, you, you have the virus yeah. situation to deal with. So there's going to be some tests um, for teams in, in terms of trying to um, dip into that depth and kind of just see what happens there. Yeah, you know, you talk about the tough decisions in terms of who you put on and who you left off the 60-man roster or the guys who weren't already on the on the 40-man. Um, and one guy that's that's interesting to me, is uh, Colton Shaver, who uh, grew up catching, kind of gotten away from it, uh, has got, you know, wound up catching again in uh, uh, last season at Fayetteville and Corpus Christi and then caught in the Arizona Fall League. And, you know, I certainly, I mean, I thought it was interesting, everybody who got added to the 60-man roster, uh, because these are guys who are going to get to work and and get reps, even though they're going to be different than in-game reps, at least get some reps uh, with the with the taxi squad in, at U of H and then later on at, at Corpus Christi once the season starts. Was that part of the reason you guys added Colton Shaver to the 60-man roster because you wanted to get him more reps at, at catcher position that he's still kind of getting back into? Yeah, and I think he, he just kind of earned it in general. I mean, 21 home runs across uh, high A and double A as a catcher. Um, and he had a staff at, at Corpus last year that included uh, – Inoli Paredes, Christian Javier, Brian Abreu, Carlos Sanabria, 
um, a lot of the guys were throwing, um, you know, 95 to a hundred with, with really good breaking balls. And he was able to slot in there, um, relatively quickly. And, you know, all the reports were, were pleasantly surprised to, to see how well he was catching these guys and, and whatnot. And he really puts in the work. So, um, yeah, I think a little bit of both, anybody we have there, we want to continue developing, but he also definitely earned it with the bat and, and what he showed on defense in a, in a short look. And then when you look at the, the pitching side of it and, you know, there's never enough pitching. And then you throw in the fact that, uh, you know, the Astros had some uncertainty at the back of their rotation, you know, hopefully relying on Jose Urquidy and, and Josh James, two guys who haven't pitched a, a full major league season yet as a starting pitcher. Uh, so pitching depth obviously becomes that much more important. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned it's going to be interesting to see what sort of depth issues arise, you know, beyond uh, those guys, who are some of the pitchers that you feel like uh, might be able to step up and, and make a few starts or maybe even wind up starting in the rotation the entire year if, if, if need be? Yeah, I think we, um, you know, obviously first look towards, guys who are already on the 40 man roster just because of the, uh, the constraints there. And, um, when you look there, I think of guys like Christian Javier and, and Noli Paredes, um, who, who've performed well in the minor leagues and have really good stuff. Um, it, obviously we haven't had quite as many debuts the past couple of years, just given the, the veteran talent. Um, but those are a couple guys and, and there's some guys that are off the roster right now, um, who are in, in camp who I think could really, Really contribute so I, I feel pretty good about our our pitching depth but um as you know there's there's not a lot of certainty in baseball but um definitely feel good about the guys that we have pete what are you hearing about forrest whitley uh second time uh through through this spring training 2.0 yeah um saw him throw yesterday um he sat 95 you know the entire side um looked looked sharp so um it's going to be interesting to see, you know, against live hitters and whatnot, because um, he has all the makings to uh, be a front of the rotation guy. So, um, just excited to watch him, you know, continue to to, to work and um, develop towards that spot. I remember at one point last year, Pete, you were telling me that, hey, uh, Jose Urquidy is coming up, and I will say, out of all the guys that have come up so far this year, I think he's the most major league ready because of his polish. Uh, his ability to throw all of his pitches in any count, things of that nature. Just maybe a little bit more advanced than some of the guys who came up with maybe even better stuff than Urquidy, but he was more major league ready because of that. Who falls in that category? Is Belak, Brandon Belak, one of those types of pitchers? Yeah, Belak is is one of those guys. Um, you know, I think Christian Javier, uh, just given the performance he had last year, um, I, I think he could be – in that category and and one of our more polished guys is uh another another kid who threw yesterday brett canine um he commands uh, all four pitches and he's working on a cutter now um you know, if you, you just look at his numbers throughout the minor leagues there's a lot of strikeouts very few walks uh, some of the lowest walk numbers in the org so um you know guys who throw strikes uh they're not doing the hitters any favors and those are are, are guys who uh, you know are likely to have a little bit less uncertainty there. So um, he's definitely a guy to, to watch for, you know, as things progress, but, you know, currently he's not on the roster. And you talk about the, the pitching in the organization and it's always interesting to me, obviously talking to you and others with the Astros about 
who's coming up and, and who's performing. But it's also interesting also to talk to people from other teams, scouts, uh, minor league managers that, that face Astros minor league teams. And the thing that always jumps out to me is they all talk about how, uh, you know, it seems like everybody that the Astros have pitching wise all the way through the system, you know, pretty hard throwers, high spin rate, breaking ball, uh, in many cases, high spin fastballs. Um, what are some of the things that and, and winds up leading to a lot of high strikeout totals throughout the system for the minor league teams uh, that the Astros have? I mean, obviously, some of those things, uh, you know, maybe you look for when you're when you're signing guys, when you're drafting guys. But what are some things that that the organization tries to do to, to maybe develop uh, some of these attributes and these pitchers that have led to, you know, these these great strikeout numbers in the minors and the, and the high spin rates and, and things like that? Yeah, I think it all starts with with scouting. Um, those guys do a great job identifying talent, and you know, we we work with them closely to uh, discuss what we feel we can we can develop more. What we, what's a little bit harder to. So I, I think we have a really good relationship there that that leads to a lot of um, success on the development side. But it, it really starts with. Um, you know, Brent Strom and Josh Miller at the big league level, um, they're, they're preaching the same things that we are at the minor league level. And um, Bill Murphy's our pitching coordinator. He works with the staff across the board to use all of the information we have, you know, including, you know, the intuition experience from our staff um, to form plans based on, you know, what each individual player needs. And I think the way the information is presented, the way it's there um, available during during practice and whatnot and, and game debriefs and all of that, I, I think it, it really just paints a clear picture for the players in terms of what they need to work on so that they can continue to chip away at that and, and not wait until they get to, you know, a level where they're challenged, but, you know, really hit the ground running and, and start working on things from the beginning. And um, our strength and conditioning group as well, um, they do a great job. Uh, Dan Howells are, are head of strength and conditioning he works with jose fernandez or um, sports science um, head of sports science to uh, do the same thing on the the physical side you know identify where these guys are short and build individual programs for them you know based on their their position on the field to help them uh, find success so it's a really you know collaborative effort all around that starts with scouting and and you know it gets handed off to our coordinators and our affiliate coaching staff but we're, we're all about trying to use any and all information that we have available to really find what the players actually need to work on to find success on the field and leave opinion out of it as much as possible. And I think it's, it's served us well there, but we we're always looking for ways to improve. You know, you mentioned that, that integration uh, throughout the system and, and all the way up to the major league level with on the pitching side. And it seems like I mean, certainly in my time in baseball, that's something that I've noticed that has really changed is it used to almost be like the major league side was separate from the minor league side, but how important is it to have that, that integration all the way top down from your major league coaches through all the way down to your minor league coaches, not just with pitching, but but hitting and defense and, and, and also all aspects of, of the game. I think it's important from you know, a handful of different angles. Um, first and foremost, we want to win at the big league level. So if, if we can get everyone pulling on the same rope there, um, I think we'll see, you know, good players become great. And that, that's something I think uh, has separated us um, over the years. We're, we're not just focused on, you know, trying to help the players who might have subpar performance, but, 
even the guys who are performing at all-star levels, we're still looking to see if there's anything else we can, we can squeeze out. And uh, I think that's gone a long way. And, and also just from a motivation, uh, motivation standpoint, because, you know, if, if minor league players see that it's a completely different program at the major league level, um, they might not, might not buy into it as much, but if they see that the guys up there are, are focusing on improving the same things and we're using the same tools and information, um, I think it goes a long way in terms of um, just kind of validating the program for them so that they can, you know, have confidence to, to jump in with two feet because, you know, this is their career. So um, it takes a lot of trust to do that, especially with the, the speed that players move through the system now. You have an outfield prospect in Ronnie Dawson, uh, went to Ohio State, but he, he's got great power and he's unlocked some speed by losing some weight. But how do you develop the bat-to-ball skills and, in the, you know, cut down on the strikeouts? Is there a method that you guys go through to, to try to help guys put the ball in play with more regularity? Yeah, I think it depends on the hitter. Um, you know, with, with Ronnie, um, some of it, it, uh, it is approach and, um, you know, some of it might be mechanics, but, um, you know, it, it just kind of depends on the player. Um, we have tools to try to identify mechanical deficiencies. And if, if we feel that that's what's leading to the swing and miss, we'll go that route. But if, if somebody's, um, you know, taking too many pitches down the heart or chasing out of the zone, um, that could be the, the root cause. So we'll go after that. Pedro Leon, he's out of Cuba, very highly rated, ranked, however you want to say it. You know, the international signing deadline has come and gone i think it was usually july 2nd they pushed it back to middle of january are you are you still engaged with pedro leon to, to what you understand uh the outfield prospect out of cuba yeah he's a he's a kid who our guys have have heavily scouted and um you know we're we're excited about the the potential that he has um as a player he seems like a really good kid all, all of the reports we have are that he's a he's a very hard worker um, which is, is really important, you know, during this time to know that he's, you know, continuing to work on his craft where he can, um, in the DR, which has, has had strict curfews up until a couple of days ago. Um, they were, were lifted in part, you know, so that they could have their, their election. But, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely excited about, you know, the potential that, that he has, um, and, and the international scouting, um, has been disrupted, you know, in terms of scouts being able to see players in person and whatnot. So everything's just sort of on pause um, completely outside of, you know, being able to have conversations with, with agents and whatnot. Talking with Pete Putilla and, you know, your background to me is, has always been interesting. You're one of the guys on the baseball upside who's, who's been around the longest since 2011, started off as an intern uh, when Ed Wade was the Astros uh, general manager you know, it was baseball something that I know you grew up playing baseball. Was it something you always kind of knew you wanted to, to find a way to, to be involved in the front office? Where did that interest kind of come for you? Yeah, I think, you know, as a lot of kids, when I was a, a youngster, I wanted to be a, you know, major league baseball player, but at some point that, that wasn't a reality. So, you know, when I went to school, you know, trying to choose what I wanted to do as a career, and I, I knew I wanted to do something in sports and a lot of people aren't, aren't as fortunate to be able to choose exactly where they work and, and whatnot. So I was, I was open, but, um, you know, I had this, this opportunity and it was a really good one, um, you know, to be an intern, um, in the front office. So, you know, packed up all my, all my stuff in my car and, and drove down and, um, you know, thought I was going to be done after the internship was over. And 
um, extended it a bit and ended up getting hired full time. And I've, I've seen a lot, um, you know, obviously we're national league. Now we're the American league. We have different uniforms. Um, th- there's, there's been a lot that's, uh, that's happened over the, the course of, um, 10 seasons. And, you know, we had a icebreaker with our new, new drafted players, um, over video chat and we did two, two truths and a lie. And, um, I stumped all the guys when I, when I said that, uh, this was my 10th year working in baseball. None of them, none of them believed it, but it's, uh, it's kind of, kind of hard to believe uh, 10th season. It's kind of hard to believe just how, how quickly the time goes by, but, um, we've gotten to meet a lot of great people and, and learn from a lot of great people. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's been, it's been quite a ride when you, you know, you started, with the Astros in 2011, you know, you mentioned you, you didn't know how long this this was was going to last. Uh, did you go into it with any kind of ideas of, of where you eventually wanted to be, or was it just one of those things where it was like, let's just see where this takes me and just kind of go from there? Yeah, I, I think I had more of more of that approach. Um, I've always just kind of had the mindset to you know identify what needs to be done and, and do it. You know, my dad's always told me. You know, you don't have to wait for somebody to tell you to do something. If if you see that it needs to be done, you, you take care of it. And I've always taken that approach. And and I'll, I like to chat with people. And you know, I've had opportunities in different roles to be, you know, in the clubhouse. You know, with the guys, with the coaches and the players. Um, and that was really beneficial. I think um, just hearing their perspectives and and learning how they go about things um, lets you see both sides of the game. Obviously, we have a lot of um, information coming into our research and development department. Um, but, you know, having that, um, proximity with the, with the staff and players has been really beneficial in terms of trying to figure out how to, how to make use of all of this information that we have. Pete, this is the last question for me and Robert and I, in a, in a normal year, get the opportunity after the draft to, to interview during the, the, the course of the major league game, uh, maybe a handful of the guys that are drafted. And there's, one particular player a couple of years ago that reminded me of Alex Bregman a little bit, just his swagger. Uh, who's the first player in the farm system for you that that kind of brings that little chip on his shoulder, that swagger of an Alex Bregman? Who first comes to mind? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think, uh, I think Jeremy Pena has a little bit of that. Um, it's, it's a quiet confidence and um, you just know that he's going to keep, keep working until he gets to where he wants to be. Um, you know, Tyler Brown this year, he, he seems, seems very confident and, um, Pitch out he's, of Vanderbilt. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. he's, he's already moved down to Florida so we can get in a better spot to work out. And, um, he's just really getting after it. So, um, you can tell, um, when you talk to guys you know, who, who has that. So, uh, definitely exciting to see from those guys because it, it makes a huge difference. All right. Well, Pete Putella, Astros assistant general manager, player development. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, I know it's a busy time for you and a lot's going on, but thanks for taking a, a, a little bit of time to talk with us. Yeah, of course. Always good to talk with you guys. Thanks, Pete. Well, always great to hear from Pete Putella. Always so much knowledge, always so much uh, great information. And, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit, Steve, uh, when we talk with him. I mean, yeah, James Click's the third general manager that, that Pete Putilla has worked under in his time with the Astros. And you just don't see that that much anymore uh, around the game, it seems like. And I think it's really a testament to, 
you know, just kind of the, the sort of person and the, that Pete is and the, and the, the sort of character that he has. Yeah. And he's, he's held a lot of different positions and, you know, and he's finally, you know, right now, and he, and he, he even, um, interviewed for, I think two or three different, uh, general manager positions last year, including, uh, the San Francisco giants and came down. I mean, he almost got, uh, it sounded like a couple of those jobs. So he's, he's a future general manager and waiting, uh, he's done a great job with the Astros farm system. And we talked a little bit about, you know, it takes so many of these types of players to pull off these great trades that the Astros were able to do. And Pete's a big part of that. So uh, they're lucky to have him. They, they're not going to have him uh, for too much longer, I, I would imagine. So they've got to take advantage as they can. But, you know, he's really uh, a forward thinker, very progressive. You know, he's always looking for ways to, to get players better. And, and that's what the Astros have done a lot better than most teams. Without a doubt. And obviously it's been a, a tough few months for a number of reasons on the baseball side of things. You know, it's tough not having games every day to this point. But I know for you, Steve, how tough is it for you not to have minor league box scores to look at every day? Because you're, you're, <laughs> you're always you're always in on what's going on in the Astro system. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a minor leaguer at heart. I really am, you know, and I feel for these guys. But I love to see how they develop. And I literally had probably 15 more names that I wanted to ask Pete about. Uh, that we didn't get to because of time constraints. But uh, he's always so generous uh, about, you know, let me know. Because I am curious. I, I'd love to see the progression. Hey, Corey Lee is the catcher they drafted in the first round in 2019. And from what I hear, you know, and Pete's even spoken. I mean, we're talking about one of the more elite throwing arms uh, in all of baseball, the majors and minors. I mean, this is a an up-and-coming catcher that the Astros can look forward to you know, as he, he works his way up and, and, and swings the bat pretty well. But there's a million of them, and especially in the pitching category, right-handed pitchers, the Astros are absolutely stacked still. I don't care what people are talking about as far as minor league rankings and, and things of that nature. When you look at their pitchers, man, they've got, they've got them in spades. Yeah, without a doubt. That's, that's pretty obvious, and we see it during spring training when we're on the backfields and when we're watching the minor leaguers throw bullpens. It's always right. pretty impressive sort of talent that – that we, we see just from, from that, and then it you know translates into results in, in many cases. Uh, but thanks so much uh, for joining us for this podcast. Thanks also to Pete Putilla, obviously, for, for granting uh, some of his time. Uh, hey, Steve, make sure you wear your mask, okay? I always do, Robert. I sleep in my mask. All right, that's taken a little too far. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you're dedicated. Definitely appreciate it. But yes. Wear your mask when you're outside, wash your hands whenever you can, uh, and thank you uh, so much for joining us for this podcast. See you later! Our world is a very different place since we last played baseball. A worldwide pandemic changed the way we live. Essential workers took on a new meaning. Racial and social justice became a global cause. We know this is much bigger than baseball. Our game our team will bring us together nine innings at a time. We're ready. Let's play ball. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.